This is Changeling the Podcast. Changeling the podcast. Come through the glamour, stay for the vibes. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Josh Hillerup, and with us we also have our other host, Puka. Greetings. And today we have a special guest, Josh Heath. Hey there, everyone. So yeah, Josh Heath is a is the host of Werewolf the Podcast, among other podcasts. How many podcasts are you doing now, Josh? It depends on how you count them, but several. Um, the main ones are Opcast, where we talk about the Trinity Continuum games, Werewolf the Podcast, and I am technically a host of Mage the Podcast, even though I'm not on there constantly. So those are the three main ones. And that systematic understanding of any, everything. I think you're a semi-regular host on there, too. I am not on that one. Uh, that oh. is all Terry Robinson's jam, and I will, you know, you know, not steal any of his thunder. I thought you were on some of those. Okay, never mind. We'll cut. No, no, I'm... I. Though I have read some Exalted, I'm not an Exalted person. So. Not Systematic, sorry. Pain in the Dice. Pain in the... Oh, you know, I am a little bit on that, particularly doing the, um, what do we call it? The RPG-nomics episodes I do with Terry. Yep, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, I got the two podcasts mixed up because they're all Terry. Uh, so, But, you know, you should also feel free to steal as much thunder as you desire. Yes. <laughs> I'll just collect all the thunder. Be a thunder thief. Why not? We're asking you on today to talk to us about Werewolf the Apocalypse and perhaps ideas on how we can make use of that in our Changeling the Dreaming games. So yeah, uh, I guess first question would be like, how did you get involved with Werewolf the Apocalypse? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So I've been playing World of Darkness games in one form or another since 1997 when I got into Vampire LARPing. Pretty much it started for me in role-playing games with Robotech, the t tabletop game. Mm -hmm. And then I went to LARP and then everything downhill from there. But I got into Werewolf LARP fairly quickly after Vampire. I think sometime around 99 or 2000, right before the revised book came out anyway. And then I got really into Werewolf the Apocalypse LARP rules, specifically the revised version when they came out. Um, but I did play a little bit of the tabletop and then it kind of became my game of preference uh, when it came to the world of darkness. And then when podcasting stuff happened for me about five years ago, I was like, you know, what would be cool is if someone did a retrospective podcast on werewolf. And then I've dived really deeply into the rabbit hole since then. Or the wolf hole as the case may be. As the case may be. Yes. Oh, so werewolf, werewolf, the podcast. So you're saying it's doing a deep dive retrospective. Do you want to talk a, bit, a little bit about that? Yeah, so the original idea was we wanted to copy everything that 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade was doing and basically go back to the beginning and read the books and comment on the books as they were published. So I started with the very first Werewolf First Edition core book, and I've been going through every book as they were released, um, you know, year by year since then. I've had a couple of different co-hosts. And now me and my co-host, Carrie, we do deep dives into 
the more uh, we're in revised, we're just about in revised. We're right before revised at this point. We're going to be tackling revised, I think, in the next book or two. But it's taken a long time, a lot longer than I expected when I started the project. I thought I'll be done with this in three years. And now, like five years later, I'm halfway done uh, and still lots of books on the horizon. So there will be episodes going for quite a while, it seems like, at this uh, this rate. As someone who's done such a deep dive thus far, is there anything that really stands out in the history of Werewolf that you find just really, you know, you look back at it and you're like, oh man, that's just the best part of the game. I think that's a really good question. The history element is the harder one because I really like setting games in the the most modern of the world as, as possible. But mm. I think from a lore perspective, the coolest thing to me is um, some of the rage across Russia stuff is really interesting from a lore perspective, particularly when you have Baba Yaga and all of her connections to all the rest of the world of darkness. I think that's a really interesting space to start building a chronicle from uh, is those uh, interesting tendrils of ideas and concepts within that book. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's a lot of interesting stuff in first edition that I think has gotten forgotten over the years. And occasionally it comes back in, in some of the more, recent books, but I think there's a lot of interesting, fun things to play with in in that first edition. Yeah, I mean, I'm someone who I think I can say I've played Werewolf one and a half times in my life, so please don't hold that against me. No, not at all. um... I've I've only played one session, but it was actually in a LARP, so that... (laughs) Yeah, my my only experience with Changeling is being the LARP runner for Changeling uh, in a Wild West game, which was fantastic. I got to play a mage in a changeling uh, countless dreams game for walking away from Arcadia. So that was fun, but it was uh, a little bit disappointing because I didn't get to play a changeling. I only got to play a mage, which I'm never upset about playing a mage, but there will always be times in the future. Yep. Yes, exactly. Well, for someone who, if, if you're presenting the game to someone who hasn't played werewolf, such as other Josh and myself, how would you summarize the themes and moods of the game. Like if you had to give the elevator pitch of Werewolf the Apocalypse, what would it be? Yeah, it depends on what sort of things I would know about the audience uh, that's listening, how I would pitch it to them, because Mm. there's lots of different layers to the game. But if I were trying to pitch the game to changeling folks, which seems like it would be appropriate here, I would say it's a game that focuses on the mix of spirituality and righteous anger and finding the balance between those two things and telling good stories that find that balance between spiritual elements and righteous fury. And and how do you do that uh, in a way and still keep your humanity or your grounding into the world as it were? Mm. Okay. And and let's suppose you did have someone coming into the game um who's new to werewolf what do you think are the most important mechanics or settings for somebody like new to it like to, to stuff that they maybe want to look at or or see sort of early on yeah i think the most important thing is the auspices the the phases of the moon in werewolf there are kind of two major elements that determine your character and those are your tribe and your auspice and i would say your auspice is much more important you know, which phase of the moon you were born under, and there are five of them. And that basically determines your 
for lack of a better term, your character class, the types of things that you are good at or you would focus on. And so you've got your warrior, your full moon or a rune that is, you know, very much like a fighter type character. Um, you know, if you're coming from D&D, it's easy to see that as the trope for you to fall into. You've got your um, galliard or your bard, your storyteller. That would be, you know, the the one that I feel like I am my personal uh, auspice is a galliard. And then you've got Philodox, which are the half moons. And those are the judges. They're kind of the uh, the rule makers within the Garu nation. So they have uh, a lot of things to do around following the rules that are written in the game, but also uh, interpreting them in individual groups of werewolves. Then you've got the, the Theurge, who is effectively your cleric or healer. Um, they are a person that connects with the spirits specifically and does a lot of the spirit talking and spirit work. And then you've got the Ragabash, which is your trickster, your rogue kind of character, who is really about asking questions and poking holes in things that everyone just accepts as the way things should be and saying, well, maybe maybe things don't need to be this way. I would, uh, would say that's sort of my understanding of, of Puka uh, and how they are in Changeling, a little bit of those like poking holes in things uh, and saying, well, what if things were backward? How would that look like? But there are a lot of different Changeling elements, I think, in the Ragabash space. I, I don't know if this is a ridiculous question, but do werewolf players, in your experience, know their own like out of character auspice, like the moon phase that they were born under? Is that like an astrology thing among werewolf players? I've noticed, yeah, I've noticed recently that more people seem to be curious about it, and I've seen on the Facebook groups occasionally there will be a post like, "What moon phase were you born under?" and then people look it up and. Uh, I am a Galliard. I was born under the Galliard moon. So it seems fitting that I've ended up being a, a writer and a podcaster and other babbler uh, on the page and otherwise. But it definitely seems to be one of those things that most people have an idea of, of what they are. See, it's I, I feel like I was born under entirely the wrong moon phase in that case, because I am, I am a solid Arun, which I don't feel like at all. So... I don't know. So, sometimes it happens. <laughs> With my limited understanding of like, you know, what that means. I'm trying to remember my auspices. Which one's Waxing Crescent? Uh, waxing or... Crescent should Thayerge. be a Thayerge, yeah. Mm, yeah, I don't think that fits me well either. So, but yeah. anyway. I played a Ragabash once and that was, you know, that felt more right than playing the, the Bloodthirsty Warrior type. But Fair enough. There's a deep dive we could do into werewolf cosmology that we will not do, but I will briefly say it gets really complicated if you want to. You can do a lot of different things with uh, with different star signs and things like that and where your solar signs are and so forth and so on. Like astrology, it's anything you need it to be. Yep, exactly. It's interesting, though, like with the auspice tribe distinction, in a way it kind of presages the Chronicles of Darkness or the New World of Darkness setup of having like two parallel splats. And thinking about it, I don't know that any of the other old World of Darkness games really did that, where each one kind of had equal weight in different ways. Yeah. And then you have Breed as well in Werewolf, right? With the Hamid, Matus, and Lupus. That's true. And Werewolf, I think, is the most complex to build at the table because of that. Because you've got those mm -hmm. three different elements. You've got your Breed, uh, your Auspice, and your Tribe, and all of those interplay to make up the identity of your character whereas in some games you know vampire is very easy you pick your clan and that's pretty much it and then it builds from there 
I think changeling is fairly similar. You know, you pick your kith and then that's you, you pick your arts and so forth. But once you have yeah. an idea of what your kith is, you, you're pretty much made the major choice that you've got to make. There's a little bit with court and potentially house, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not as near anywhere like what werewolf has for that. Uh, so yeah, so speaking of, you know, changeling, what direct connections do you see between werewolf and changeling? Like, you know, there's the Fianna and the Fenrir, I know connections, but what sort of, how, how do you see the sort of connection between the two games? I think the two games are most obviously connected through the Fianna in particular, because the Fianna are a group of Irish werewolves who have a deep connection to the she and the other changelings through them because of the connections that you have lore-wise between Ireland and the, the changelings. And that sort of is the biggest obvious connection because it's so much written about in the lore where the the leader of the Fianna is uh, has a either is married to, has a mistress of, it's a little complex. Uh, It's not clear exactly what the relationship is, but has some sort of deep relationship with a uh, a she lady of some uh, repute. And that is this really, I would say, stereotypical uh, sort of connection that that werewolves and changelings have that allow you to bring them in is that clear, like, cousin connection between those, that tribe and other changelings. But there are also lots of uh, change in connections in a book called Rage Across Appalachia, which mm. is billed as a werewolf and changeling book, but really it's much more of a werewolf book than it is a changeling book. I don't know if you've talked about it yet, but so I won't you know, necessarily spoil it too much, but um, there are some connections there between the changelings and the, the Native American groups, the Nunahe and the, uh, the werewolves that live in Appalachia. So there's some obvious crossovers there, but there are a few other places I could see the two lines crossing over, but those are the, the canonical ones. Yeah. I may have, in preparation for this conversation, skimmed through Rage Across Appalachia, and I was surprised at actually how little changeling there was in the book for something that says on the cover, a supplement for Werewolf the Apocalypse and Changeling the Dreaming. Like you say, it is just mostly werewolf with a bit of changeling slipped in. Yeah. But it it is um I mean at the time because it was very early in changeling's history and werewolf had already had 3 or 4 years to like kind of build up the mythos. So, you know, it's fine. Did that one come out before the player's guide for changeling? It did, which is you know, interesting because that means it's the first occasion we actually see the Nunahi in print. Yeah, and it's it's I feel like there's a almost a missed opportunity there to not have more changeling elements where like that particular book, they don't mm. spend enough time. I think asking the question of, well, how do the Nunahe and the, what are the, they called the regular, the, the European, the Kithane. 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 Yeah, Kithane. Sorry. I was getting there or trying to get there. Anyway, I kept thinking Galane and I'm like, that's not right. That's, that's close, but not right. But those, like that tension between the two groups, I think would have been more interesting to see a whole book on. Um, uh, there might be, but it would have been interesting to spend some time with that in that that crossover book, yeah. I think. Uh, like one thing I'd, I'd love to see more, I don't know, if, I don't think I, this has showed up in print, but it came up in a crossover game I played in, is between Red Caps and Say the Fianna or something like that. Ooh. That's a really interesting tension there. Um, Red Caps are... Of the main 
like core book kith like you know these are default pcs they look the closest to maybe the black spiral dancers yeah. in terms of actually playing them but they're also definitely changelings and they're not and they're kithane and they're part of change like kithane society so it's kind of a that was a that was a weird one for doing in the crossover game but i can really see a lot of red cap stories be where they are the antagonist like you're saying and werewolves not really understanding what they're dealing with until it's way too late and then getting devoured by a, a group of really dedicated red caps well, yeah this one was like it was a mainly fienna set mm-hmm. in pcs and i'm playing this red cap and it they're like oh you're a changeling this will be fine and then that's where the fun tensions came in because i'm like oh sure i'll work with you yeah i think i was spending a lot of time trying to figure out why the werewolves were worried about this big flightless dragon talking about i'm like well that doesn't sound so bad Anyway, that, that kind of, even if it's less directly antagonistic, there's enough tension there, I think, also. Because it's not like red caps look... To, would, I don't think they'd look worm-tainted, necessarily. Would they? No, not necessarily. Like it, uh, f- From my perspective as a storyteller, what I would have them do is... like depends on how recently you've devoured whatever you've eaten, you know? <laughs> if you're eating a lot of people, maybe you're getting a little worm-taint, um, probably from the people you're devouring. But changelings as a, a, in as a whole are not worm tainted so it would definitely be interesting to have that sort of question because werewolves would still have to be enchanted too to see changelings so mm-hmm. you've got to kind of go out of their way to get enchanted so that they can then interact with chimerical reality and there are lots of opportunities for that to happen but you've got to really tell an intentional story for it to happen uh, and for that crossover to make sense just to interact with the changeling world in a general sense how do werewolves kind of regard changelings in relation to like the wild the weaver and the worm because there is the seely unseely distinction but it doesn't really line up in a good versus evil sort of way so from from the werewolf perspective putting aside tribal differences or whatever how do the Garu as a whole see them as as beings, as forces of one thing or the other? Yeah, the interesting thing is there's not enough word count on how mm. that that is seen to really say definitively. I could only say my interpretation would be that they are viewed as beings of the wild because of uh, you know their capricious nature and things like that. And if you dig deep into the lore, you can see some connections with the wild and things like that. But it's hard to say. I would say some changelings probably read as weaver oriented. I, I think some that are more, you know, they're all stories, but the ones that are more concrete sort of story connected creatures would be more weaverish than they would be wildish. So I don't know. It's yeah. tough. Yeah, like the knockers and the glass walkers definitely have a lot in common in terms of how they approach technology and things like that. Yep, I could definitely so. see that. Is it is it worth describing just for anyone listening who is totally unfamiliar with werewolf what we're talking about with the wild, the weaver, and the worm? Yeah, uh, that's that's a good point. So the werewolf cosmology is split uh, along a triad where there is Gaia, the Earth. And then there are these three major beings that influence the world. Either they were created by Gaia or Gaia was created by them. It's unclear and it's kind of said differently at different times in the books. But the wild is a force of generativeness. It creates everything within the universe. The weaver is the being that 
creates order and stasis and tries to um, align everything and create systems. And then the worm is supposed to be a creature that devours everything in its time and is the force of entropy. The weaver has trapped the worm and that has, according to the werewolves, created the entire world of darkness where the worm and its corrupting influences now uh, destroying everything slowly instead of, you know, taking things out when they're supposed to be destroyed. So that is a brief primer on the triat uh, in Werewolf. Excellent. So how do the... We've talked about werewolves a lot for this. I know there are other types of shapeshifter types in the game of Werewolf, the changing breeds of other types. How, how, do, how do you think they would fit in or might interact with sort of changeling like in a changeling game, if you were to make use of them. Yeah, there are a lot of changing breeds. So if there's an animal that you think maybe they could be an animal shifter, there probably is one because there are where cats, where ravens, where I won't try and list them all, but where spiders are, mm-hmm. and then where sharks. And I'm saying those four in particular for a reason. The where cats have a particular tribe of where cats uh, called the Calican that are uh, connected to or descended from, again, Irish and British Isle Isle myths. Um, So they are also connected to what are called fairy cats, which are a type of larger cat that are now extinct, but they have a changeling sort of connection um, based on in their myths. So they're another linkage that you could have uh, that's pretty obvious. The were sharks have a changeling connection, strangely enough, because of people. So if you wanted to have a crossover where you have were-sharks and people, um, that is something you can definitely do in the world of darkness. I'm not sure how dark it would be, but you could definitely tell a story with them uh, and see what happens with it. I think it'd be pretty dark, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It makes me think of that 90s TV show with the anthropomorphized sharks that had the action figures and stuff. The street sharks. I can't remember what it was. Yes. Yes. Jawsome. Very jawsome. It's funny. When I uh, I played in a LARP a couple of years ago where there were a group of people playing Rokea or the were sharks and they had modeled themselves after the street sharks. Oh, no. And they were literally like swimming, uh, walking around, pretending they were swimming, going, Jawsome! This is really Jawsome! And I'm like, this is both amazing and horrible and I don't know how to feel right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then what were the other two that you said were... You said the, the were spiders and yeah the were spiders or the Ananasi and the uh, were ravens or the Korax. Mm. The Korax, I would say, are a potentially interesting connection to Changeling because they are attracted to secrets and stories, and they would see Changelings when they can interact with them as like this font of knowledge and information and stories that they could take and then spread out around the world. Um, and the Koraks would absolutely devour everything they could get their hands on, basically their talons on. And then the were spiders are not what I would consider a traditional sort of connection to changeling, but they are very cold and calculating. And I could see having them as a good antagonist for a group of changelings who are being harmed by the banality of the were spiders in a way that they're like, well, this isn't an enemy that I'm familiar with or know how to deal with because they're both banal and just horribly like 
destructive being. So uh, it could be an interesting story there, like a, a bit of a Dante plus if you wanted to uh, mm. go that direction. We just had an extended conversation about Dante on our last recording, so... Food for thought. Yeah, they were one of my favorite parts of the Changeling LARP book. They have a very small section in either the player's guide or the core book, as it were, for... I think it's the player's guide, yeah. Yeah, and it just, the the little section made me always want to have a Dante as an NPC because it's so well written in such a small section to just give you the core idea of what they are, and I'm like, this sounds neat to me, so... There, if the book that introduced him even has a, a section on Dante PCs, which is just like, okay, that's just getting extra dark. Oh, yeah, but <laughs> that's super dark. Who would want to play one of those? Well, the game I'm running right now for my two kids, it's a bit of an aside, but one's playing a Thalane, the other one's playing a Baylor She who seems to be turning towards Dante path. So <laughs> it does happen. Wow. And it's like two teenage kids and they're both like, yep. Yeah, Definitely want to go down the dark route. None of this other stuff looked interesting, but it's a feel-good game. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Right, Changeling's supposed to be bright and happy and, and fun, right? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, to go back to something that you you had said earlier, I mean, just in terms of the overall sort of theme of werewolf, it, it is werewolf the apocalypse. The end of the world is coming, and there's something similar to Changeling in in, in that sort of concept because even though the worm is a very different sort of foe than the force of banality, there's that sense of overwhelming odds that you're struggling against. But it seems like, you know, werewolves have rage, werewolves fight to the death, changelings, yeah, some of them might do that, but they might also take other approaches to surviving. So it's it's an interesting sort of thematic, um, I don't know, I guess it's a thematic alignment, but it's different perspectives on a similar kind of problem. Yeah, I can see the the crossover there where you could easily set up, you know, the end of the world happening or, you know, being right on the cusp on the end of the world and changelings are sort of saying to them, to each other and to themselves, like, we have uh, this last gasp effort before we're just snuffed out by the stasis of the universe and the werewolves are saying, you know, no, we have to fight and, and maybe they can act as a rallying group for, you know, a group of changelings to get up and, and take action and, and change the world, as it were. One of the things that I think really is something I try to emphasize in Werewolf is the idea of righteous anger versus just pure anger for no good reason. You know, the werewolves believe that they are right and believe that they should be change the world as it were for the better and their way of doing that is by breaking down all of the systems and the oppressive elements around them but also they are a product of a very oppressive culture so you have this Mm -hmm. dichotomy that i think you can also have in changeling where you have these structures that are designed to uphold a system that is stifling creativity and creative ways of bringing the fight to the enemy and your PCs are given the opportunity to buck all of that tradition and say, Hey, all of these structures above us that uh, all of these laws that we have in place, all of this culture that we have is really oppressive and about continuing our species. But for what reasons, if we are just all going to die, like, are we, yeah. are we able to like enact change there? 
I don't know. I see that as a potentially really powerful story spot. Yeah, definitely. That actually makes me think in Changeling, there's this concept of winter and we'll be getting into that more as we go through more of the Changeling books. That's kind of undefined and like what winter means depends kind of on who you're asking. In Werewolf the Apocalypse, is the apocalypse more... I mean, I'm not saying all the details in there, but like, is it more like what kind, what they mean by apocalypse more well-defined, or is it also kind of nebulous? It's semi-nebulous. There's The werewolves have an idea. The werewolves have an idea of everything. They really think they're right about 98% of the, the world, and honestly, they're wrong about 77% of it. <laughs> but they are so confident that they understand what the apocalypse is going to be, that it's going to be the worm busting out of Malpheus or the spiritual realm where the worm is being held and it will devour everything within the world. It will destroy everything. But the truth is, is that that could be the apocalypse. You know, that could be, that's one angle that the apocalypse could be, but there's also lots of other spiritual entities in the world that could destroy it. Um, or the weaver could even come along and put everything into stasis and freeze the world and just end it like that. Or the wild could get powerful enough all of a sudden and remake everything and completely change the world through its power. So there's a lot of different angles you can take the apocalypse, but the werewolves think and are so confident that players accept it as gospel. And sometimes you mm -hmm. have to show them that no, just because something is in the lore doesn't necessarily mean it is true, is that this idea of fighting the worm and the worm coming and fighting a literal war, um, that is the only way to view the apocalypse. And I, I try really hard as a storyteller to be like, no, that is just one option. It's not necessarily a concrete fact that it will end like that. I just got this vision of a werewolf being like someone that you know, you're going to work and you see standing on the street corner with a giant, the end is near sign, just like ranting and raving and trying to convince people about the end is coming and like, you have to prepare yourself, you have to fight, etc. And then across the street is the changeling who's holding like free hugs on a poster board with puffy paint. And that's, yep. you know, kind of the contrast I see. But Well, I th yeah, the, the, cha the two sides of changeling are I th you generally either the free hugs one or you're signing up for that worm army. It's like the two big. Well, stories. yes, yes. <laughs> not not all players want to be Thalane or Belorshi. No, no, but I mean that's also it is a big part of Changeling, though. It's not like it's yeah. all against that, but yeah, or playing against the middle. So, do you have any? Um, what are some options you could see for if there's a Changeling Chronicle or the ST wants to incorporate the Garu? Do you have any advice for that? Yeah, do so. Um with an understanding of what the type of pack of werewolves you are going to present will be. One of the things that is true for most Garu, for the large majority of them, is that they are pack creatures. And so werewolves will come in groups. So if you want to have werewolves in your changeling game, you've got to have an idea of what are the four to six werewolves going to be like. And really give them all personalities, give them all you know, auspices that they will represent. You can have them play against type a little bit if you don't want to be have them be stereotypes. But I think it's fine to use the auspices as a group of stereotypes where you're like, I'm going to have a, a perfect pack of five werewolves who are all these different auspices and they represent all of these different things. And then you can really emphasize that they represent that specific type of story within the Geru Nation storytelling culture. 
where a an Arun is really the absolute warrior who is always thinking about combat and always thinking about how to get the upper hand in a fight. Um, and the Ragabash is always trying to poke holes in various things and, and show how there's an alternative way of success. That's kind of the angle that I would immediately say, like, get a feel for what that pack is like, and then determine what their goals are interacting with these changelings. Are they trying to get something from the changelings? Are they trying to steal the freehold from them because they want to turn it into a cairn, which is uh, the spiritual center of a werewolf space? Like that is an, a story option you could have. There's lots of different things I think you could do, but you've got to know what their goal is, what they want out of the changelings, who they are and what they want. And once you've got that, you can really start folding them into the story uh, and build something from there. Expanding on that slightly, the, you have a werewolf pack, right? Mm -hmm. And if things aren't entirely friendly between the chain, like say your changeling PCs and this werewolf pack, right? Could it have the potential of ex escalating into the greater werewolf society too? Like, is there... Oh yeah. Because the werewolves are so militant, you could have a situation where a group of changelings gets on the wrong side of this pack and the pack decides we're going to take you out. And now I, I really think a single pack of werewolves could generally destroy an entire freehold of changelings without a whole lot of trouble. Just the... uh, 20th edition changed that. Slightly. Okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it, I, 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 I now think anyway, yeah, we can get to that. That's not so just, the, the, I, I think like I've been looking at crossover changeling mage and I'm like, Oh, the mage is just, I have to do things to, really give the mages an edge here because they just can't really do anything compared to a changeling. Yeah, that's fair. The The one changeling game I played a mage in, the changelings were doing a lot more stuff than I was. And I was like, huh, that's cool. I had a lot of opportunities, but, you know. But they really, they've really lowered the impact of banality, for instance. Right, because it's more personalized now. Yeah, and it's, well, you get to roll for it to avoid it. Okay. And there's more options. And my, my player invoked the weird last night. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just, wow. But, so I don't know how that would go necessarily if it turned into an all-out fight. Okay. Well, but, that's good, actually, because I like that there's like, uh, actually, it would be a challenge because that changes the dynamics of things a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think the problem is, is that werewolves beget other werewolves. And yes. there's a very quickly, uh, a single pack becomes an entire sept, which is the organization of werewolves around a specific cairn. And suddenly you've got what was five werewolves and now is 20 or 30 or 50 werewolves descending on you saying, we have decided you are our enemy. And at that point, there are so many furry chainsaws around that. Yeah. It, what are you going to do? At that point, you're either, well, your player characters are running, dying, or this is there's so many more changelings getting involved that this is now like a political story that probably your PCs, it, you're now having to restructure, you're turning into a war game, right? Like a, not a war game, but like a story around this war developing. And that, that can be hard to get to keep player agency, I think, but yeah, absolutely. It's one thing to keep in any smart changeling at that point would just fuck off to the dreaming. I think. Yeah, He's probably. Yeah. Cause the werewolves aren't going to be able to chase you in the dreaming. That's one of the, the cosmological things that's odd is that werewolves have the ability to, to travel in the spirit world. They call the Umbra, but the dream realms are not that are in the Umbra are not the same as the dreaming. And 
it would be very smart for any change in the, just like, I'm going to go into the dreaming and get away from this. And that immediately you are free. Uh, you are, you are safe from the werewolves once you've done that. Yeah. The problem is you're not safe for what's in the dreaming. But... Right. Right. <laughs> there is the Arcadia gateway realm, which I recall from the Umbra book, but yeah, I think when we get to uh, the mage crossover episode, it's just going to be an hour of us debating whether or not the dreaming is actually in the Umbra spoiler. It's not, but right. you know, Unless you define the umbra in such a way that it's mm. not a useful statement anymore. <laughs> right. That's a that's a more of a mage. The umbra seems yeah, yeah. better defined in, in werewolf than in mage. So the werewolves, they pretty clearly know. Mages, whatever. But D- discussion tabled for now. <laughs> yeah, but it will be back. So are there is there anything else you'd recommend that you could see creating a problem when you're bringing like werewolves into a changeling game, or maybe should avoid just in general? Yeah. Werewolves are very political creatures, but not in a way that changelings or vampires or mages are. A lot of werewolf politics happens at a remove from from a combat situation or an active event. A lot of werewolves are very cultish, for lack of a better term, where they when they are out doing the thing that they are saying that they are going to do when they're on a mission, they are very focused on getting that mission done. And it's very hard to break through and try and negotiate with them. But if you get them when they're not on a quest or not on a mission of some form, that's when you have the opportunity to have a a relationship one-to-one with one particular werewolf and then build that into a relationship with the entire pack and maybe then with the entire sept of werewolves. Like I would determine like if you're running a changeling game and you want to have werewolves be present, you know, if you are the changelings going to the werewolves, that is a very different situation. The werewolves coming to you. So I'd really spend a lot of time figuring out who goes first as it were, because that's going to change the entire dynamic of the relationship. I have to ask also, because you, you made me think of this when you used the word beget earlier, the notion of kinfolk and kinane, because both werewolves and changelings do have sort of deep ties with their, their mortal kin, but it seems to have very different valence in werewolf. And I, I know that as an outsider to werewolf, I've heard some sometimes problematic things about how kinfolk are handled. And it seems like maybe the kind of relationship that you wouldn't want with changelings relationships with their mortal families but i don't know what your experience of that has been yeah the um the truth is is that kinfolk are a a touchy subject (laughs) because they're Hmm. portrayed really poorly in a lot of werewolf books where instead of being presented as people who are part of the same culture and werewolves are for lack of a better term eco-terrorists and terrorist groups. Uh, So my educational background is in terrorism and ethnic identity creation. So I see a real crossover between real life groups of of folks that build up an entire culture around this idea of whomever they are fighting against. Mm -hmm. You have a large support network of people that aren't directly involved in the fight, but are part of the same culture who are enculturated into that worldview and that mission and that focus in werewolf kinfolk don't get enough time spent talking about how they are bearers of culture and support networks uh, not just for the active combat that werewolves go under but like really important 
elements within the world and about relationships and things like that. Instead, they're just kind of cast to the side as random people that happen to be here that we occasionally interact with and treat poorly. Mm. And that's a shame because there's a lot of good stories that can be told about kinfolk. And if you have changelings as kinfolk, for example, um, which is something that's possible, there's a lot, even more opportunity there to tell these stories about what sort of relationships do I have to this warrior culture, this, uh, this eco-terrorist culture that parts of my family are super into and believe wholeheartedly with no question in their mind. If I'm a being of story, how does that present itself in, in the world? How do I then transfer that story to others? Um, it becomes like lots of opportunity for storytelling, I think. Which is very thematically fitting for both games. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. and you could also have, because I know the, the Kinane the and Changeling are much more, in, at least how I've been seeing it, they're like the interface to the, you know, autumn world, to the, all the structures changelings have trouble integrating into. The Kinane have much easier time, but they can also interact much easier with the changelings, like the changeling family. Is, is there any of that in the kinfolk? Like, because I know werewolves tend to unsettle humans and things like that. Is there any, like... The delirium. Well, there's also, isn't there something like, if you have a lot of rage, it's difficult for people to be around you regardless? Yeah, yeah, there, there are two things. There's something called the curse, which is this supernatural reaction that humans just have being around you, where even if you're not changed into a furry uh, monster, you still unsettle people because you are just this beast and spirit in human form. And eventually people will just be like, I'm not interacting with you because you scare the crap out of me. Kinfolk don't have that reaction. Kinfolk are allowed to see you in your, both your war form, your, uh, you know, half wolf, half man form. And they don't have the same fear reaction to you. So Kinvoke have the opportunity to be those only real human relationships that you have as a werewolf where you don't cause those sorts of reactions. I, I think that's why, to me, they need to be much more important to a story generally than they are uh, in a lot of, uh, of folks' werewolf games. But that's just uh, the angle that I try and take, at least. Yeah, I'm picturing a lot of Kinfolk lawyers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it definitely seems like a good, I mean, in terms of just having a quick and dirty story hook to get werewolves and changelings in the same kind of space. I don't want to go so far as to say like the changeling kinfolk teaches the werewolf how to love, but you know, that kind of, <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. But, but I mean, if there's a, if changelings kinfolk, then you probably, you could very easily have a family with both changelings and werewolves and kinane mm. and kinfolk and overlap there among just, them. Just imagine the reunions. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a way to have more interesting, I think conflict that's not immediately it's still, there's still conflict, but it's not immediately everyone dies or one side dies. Right. It's right. Family conflicts. Con conflict is a really interesting space. Again, if you want to play the Fianna who are the classic, family relationship there like that is a very good place to say hey i come from a family where half of us are changelings and half of us are werewolves and maybe there's something that both of our societies want that the uh, that we have to then figure out how do we divide that between the two of ourselves or do we does one side decide we are getting this and you are not and then that creates a, a rift in the family hmm. so the other changing breeds are those just so infrequent it's less of a 
thing that would come up, at least, you know, outside of the water or? Yeah, uh, it would be really unlikely that you'd in- encounter as a, as a changing that you would encounter, say, a, a werebear and werebears are so rare in general, like the uh, opportunity to have them overlap with a changeling story i could see it you could do it but it would be really uh, unlikely um the same thing with say the were foxes who are kitsune they are only found in japan according to the books and some of uh, the other parts of east asia they're an awesome story idea you could have them cross over with the sien and some of the other elements of changeling lore but they don't naturally sort of cross over very easily yeah you have a two-person game of like a Gilly do and a werebear and the werebear lives near the tree. I don't know what you really do with that game, but <laughs> right. <laughs> you've you've said it and now I'm gonna write it. It's on the list. I think you, I think you could write a really nice like short story, but I'm trying Possibly. to make a game out of that. But yeah, I'm sure you could do something. Depending on what your hook was, I, I think you could vin- convince me to play it just to see what happened in it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to come up with a conflict would be that the game would be around. It's like, oh, they'd both be on a hibernation timer, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, that is one more thing I wanted to kind of ask about was so this is a limited subset of changelings, but the notion of shape changing is something that does run through several of the kiths in the same way that it runs through really all of the changing breeds. So like, what is the perspective on that aspect? I mean, in the sense that werewolf can be a spiritual game or a practical game, you know, you kind of have these two different ways of looking at what they do in terms of shifting from human to wolf. How does that fit into the narrative? Because when I think about if I'm running a game for someone playing a puka or one of the other, you know, a swan maiden or a tungat, or there are a bunch of kiths that can turn into animals. So like, what's that dynamic like in werewolf? It's really interesting because there's a lot of really poorly misunderstood wolf aspects that are baked into werewolf. You know, a lot of how we understand wolves today is based on faulty science. And we're now like, that's getting out into the public that it's based on faulty science. The idea of like the alpha wolf and so forth and so on. Like, that's not true. It's not how wolves actually interact with each other. They're family groups. Mm. And in werewolf, the apocalypse, the, the bad narratives about how wolves behave is really baked into the game. So you've got to decide early on, like, how much of wolf culture in real life do you want to build into your game? And how much wolf culture do you want to just accept that the game is telling you this is how how wolves are? Because it's really going to change the story, which angle you take. If you say, you know, wolves are much more like they are in the real world where they're family groups and they're nurturing and they try to support one another, you're going to have a very different werewolf the apocalypse game than what's written in the books where mm-hmm. you may have a lot more nurturing packs whenever you have lupus uh, the were the wolf descended werewolves you have much more of them being helpful in the the canon they're much more like we want to destroy all humans sort of, of folks in the werewolf nation so i don't think that answers your question but that's <laughs> like the key question that i thought of when yeah. you when you asked it yeah Something to bear in mind. Uh, yeah, there's no there's no uh, seal shapeshifters though. That's like wear seals. Yeah, there are no selkies, and I'm like, it's 
strange that there aren't like to me like it seemed like a, a fairly obvious choice that they would have, have stolen that and well, made them those are those are a kith and change okay well that's good that they're in changeling at least so someone's got them yeah yeah but people play like wolf puka right or cat pukas and it's like how does how do garu see wolf puka and vice versa you know because they're both doing to some extent a similar thing but they have such different outlooks most of the time so it's just an interesting kind of thing to consider yeah it's a good question and and the truth is there's nothing canon about them interacting Mm. which is a shame because that would be a really good story where you're like here's a a group of of, you know a group of them maybe would be unlikely but a, a group of wolf puka how do they then interact with the local lupus werewolves and maybe they get along great or maybe they hate one another um, but there's a lot of story potential there, a lot of story tension that yeah. you can play on. Certainly better stories than like when the local gangrel tries to pretend to be a wolf. <laughs> right, exactly. That's actually reminding me on the connection. You, you talked about the Fianna a lot. In Changeling, they, almost as much as they talk about the Fianna, they talk about the Fenrir. Interesting. As ties. Mm. And I'm wondering if there's like, you've come across anything in werewolf that supports that result that all the changeling side yeah honestly no uh the fenrir books don't really touch on changelings much at all i can see that making a lot of sense trolls are a a core kith as it were in changeling and trolls and come from norse myth and the fenrir have a connection to norse mythology and and germanic mythology so that all makes sense to me but yeah from the werewolf side they don't see it yeah, because also several she houses that are Norse or Germanic or sort of tied with that too. Which so. again makes sense because elf lore comes from you know North European culture, so it's it tracks. There's also though the famous incident that happened because according to Changeling, the Fenrir will like attack and kill she on sight oh. because they once the she ran across a pack one time, you know, back in the Dark Ages or whatever, and decided. Why bother riding horses when we could ride giant wolves and cast a spell on them to turn them into their mounts? And the Fenrir have not forgiven them for that a thousand years later. Nor should they necessarily. I I could see that. The Fenrir don't forgive very easily in general, and that in particular I would see offending them deeply. (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe the Shi remember that and the Fenrir don't. I don't know. Yeah. And there was like a tiny one with satyrs and I can't remember which of the tribes is more Greek focused. The Black Furies who are kind of connected to the Amazon myth. Yeah, that makes sense. The thing is, is that the Black Furies would probably not like the satyrs very much. Like, because Mm -hmm. they are very militant in a particular vein of feminism. And Mm -hmm. they generally like the... There's really could be some interesting stories there about how you how you interact between changelings and the Black Furies, I think. But uh, yeah, it might work a little bit better if the satyr's a woman, but still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Open question there, how that would go for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing too is, you can always just explain it with the mists, right? Where it's like, well, these groups just don't remember because they don't remember the interaction. It's been a minute yeah. since it all happened. I think that's one of the opportunities that Changeling presents is that like ability to to fade things away in memory. Um, it's an interesting... Uh, I'm going to go in a totally different direction for a second. It's an interesting connection for me between Wraith and Changeling, where both of the games are really strongly about memory. And 
stories and how you tell those stories. And I think those connections make a lot of sense to me. And I see the story connection with werewolf happening very easily, but that idea of memory and werewolves just isn't the same thing there because they're an oral culture. So they sort of like automatically know that their culture is going to shift and change as things change orally. I don't know. Maybe not, but I see maybe there's some interesting story space there to play in. And from the mechanics perspective, werewolf actually has traits based on those stories, right? Because you have the honor, the renown, and the glory. So telling those stories is is how you advance in a sense. Exactly. And you also have the ability to call on your ancestors who are your, you know, spiritual and physical uh, ancestors who you can basically bring to mind and have their memories become part of your memories. So you could easily tell flashback stories where you are interacting with the same fae who have been reborn throughout the mm-hmm. years and lots of different stories could be told between you know one werewolf and a she for a well she wouldn't work but they do now in C, some of them do in c20 now that's right with yep yeah. but uh there's some opportunity there depending on which kith you choose to have some crossover that would be awkward if a you know, Fenrir ran into the she who rode around his great, 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 great grandfather. Yeah, it'd be very awkward. Yeah. So I've got, I've got a giant question, and this is, this is the last big question that I want to ask. But given how Werewolf has evolved, and how in the New World of Darkness they created uh, Werewolf the Forsaken yeah. versus Changeling the Lost, and just how werewolf the apocalypse has kind of wrapped up in preparation for eventually werewolf fifth edition all of that sort of arc what do you anticipate kind of the future of werewolf looking like and in particular how that might jive with changeling oh that's a big question uh, and a hard one to it's answer. a huge question yeah <laughs> um the... i just wanted to get it in there though you know before fair the truth is is that i am not in paradoxes head as it were so Mm. though i i i try to keep on top of all the werewolf news i can and everyone shares it in my discord so i see anytime that justin Achille or any of the other paradox folks mention werewolves they share it and i see it i'm close to it as it were i think werewolf fifth edition is going to be changed significantly from what we have seen in werewolf the apocalypse previously Um, I think it's probably going to take some elements from Forsaken in that it's going to be a bit more local focused is just a guess that I have. And they're going to reduce a little bit of the world spanning plot lines that they had in the original versions of the game. And I think that's okay. That's an angle you can go in and it'll be interesting. I'm just, I, I really hope that they get the spiritual elements right with Werewolf because the spiritual elements are so important to werewolf the apocalypse in a way that they are different in werewolf the forsaken spiritualism and and animism is such an integral part of the game that i really i hope they get that balance right between creating a local story and making sure the spirit interactions that you have are really uh, important and and central to the story that you're telling so Hmm. that's kind of my my brief takeaway on that which I can see working with kind of, I mean, when I look at Changeling the Lost, that too seems a little bit more zoomed in than Changeling the Dreaming does, because Dreaming, you have the, the sort of entire kingdoms all spelled out down to the, you know, every individual county and barony and 
this lord rules here, that lady rules there. And Lost is much more personal, much more individualized. So I can see them kind of aligning in that direction as well. Yeah. And it, we'll have to see. Um, I know they're doing some changes with regards to the different breeds and things like that. And the truth is that the Metis, the name in, in particular, is uh, mm. a problem. And yeah. they are an ableist trope. And I can understand that they want to avoid running face first into that space. So I don't mind that they're going to make changes to Werewolf. I just really hope they don't change what the core of Werewolf is while they're trying to fix some of the other problems of the game. Fingers crossed. Yep. I definitely have similar thoughts whenever they eventually get to C5. The naming scheme is also confusing me. The numbering scheme. Right. But anyway. <laughs> there, there's no C3. Right. C five, the fourth edition of Changeling. Well, H five is the second edition of Hunter. So exactly. Also true. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe third. Yeah. It, we'll see. <laughs> well, it's it's a little unclear. Like uh, I'm interested to see where they take Hunter. Uh, I think that's going to be a good signpost for where Werewolf ends up being. So we'll see what happens with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, is there? I mean, you brought up your podcast. Is there anything you wanted to mention to like that you're working on or that you're regularly doing that you wanted to maybe mention to our listeners? Yeah. So I am currently working on some stuff for uh, Trinity Continuum Aberrant. If folks are interested in the superheroes game that originally came out with from White Wolf back in the day, there is a new edition of that and some cool new books that are coming out. I can't say any details, but I am working on a couple of things there. So if you are into superhero stuff, um, it is definitely a game you should check out and check out some of the new books that will be coming out for it. Okay. My interest is piqued. Is, is there any uh, social media people could follow you on? Yeah. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Podcast Werewolf, where I talk mostly about Werewolf the Apocalypse. You can also follow me on Facebook at Werewolf the Podcast and listen to the podcast werewolf the podcast on your podcaster of choice okay well thanks for yes. thanks for doing this with us here absolutely yeah thank you for having me i really appreciate it